What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Monday Madness with the Boys, presented by Dean College, Power 88.3. Brett Shobbs once again, alongside Will Manley, Jeff Clayton, and Jack Clifford. Before we get into anything today whatsoever, Jack, I believe you have a, uh, a consequence to do. From last episode, you got the least amount of players correct from our trivia, and as a result, you now have to dump a bucket of water on your head. That's right, Brett. Here we go. Let's see it, Jack. Alright, let me get a little countdown. Are you ready? Two, one. Yep. Three, two, one. <laughs> that is freezing. Alright. Way to start the episode. What a great start. Great start of the episode. All right, so while Jack's yeah. drying off, let's jump right into our first conversation. Oh, That's going to involve some NBA preseason updates and talks. First off, let's talk about this guy, Peyton Pritchard, from the Boston Celtics. I don't think anyone expected Peyton Pritchard, a, a late first-round pick from Oregon, to do that well in his first preseason game. He had 16 points and shot 6 for 10 from the field. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive for a, a guy of – you know, his size and physicality going into Boston and, you know, dishing out some pretty good skills in this first game. And I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with what he's done. I think he could be actually pretty valuable in the start of the regular season. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, right now you'd think we'd be talking about Aaron Naismith. I mean, he's been doing pretty good too, but Prashard has been, you know, the rookie to show off for the Celtics. Like you said, 16 points coming off the bench. We drafted him number 26 late in that first round. Um, I like the outcome of this kid. I think he's got a great potential in the future with the Boston Celtics. Um, looking at our backcourt, too, it looks pretty good for the Celtics right now. We got Kemba, you know, Marcus Smart, this guy, Prashard. Um, still got Carson Edwards, I'm pretty sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Prashard will have actually a pretty good impact on the Celtics coming off the bench, utilizing pretty well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I would say just judging from this preseason, going into the regular season, the Celtics bench is definitely going to be something to be taken seriously down the road this season. Mm-hmm. And speaking of the bench, let's just touch upon uh, this man, too, while we're at it. Taco Fall, he made an appearance against the 76ers as well late in the game. And I have to say, he actually looked pretty decent. You know, he may not have scored or done the most defensively as far as rebounds and, you know, assists go on the other way of the court. But he actually looked a lot smoother in the way he played. He was a lot more. He looked a lot more athletic, and he actually played the way you know that a man his size should be playing—a little less brunt and you know aggressive, I guess you could say, a lot more raw on the court. And he looked a lot more smooth. So I was very impressed with Taco Fall as well in the end of the game. Yeah, Taco's just an awkward guy to see out on the court. I mean, with his size and his length, you know, it's just awkward to see him out there and just. I hope he can get going. I love Taco. The crowd loves him when he goes into the games. He's such a great guy. So mm-hmm. hopefully we can uh, start using Taco and he becomes a great player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just talk about, touch on what uh, Jeff said. Even though Taco might not be like the best skill player, but he's definitely a guy I would want on my team because when he checks into the game, that crowd really starts to go wild. He's definitely a big morale boost in that stadium up there. Definitely. And actually, taking it back to what you said you know, Will, too, with, you know, the crowd being so amped up when he gets on the court. He actually gained so many All-Star votes last year that he actually could have played in the All-Star game if he chose to. He just elected to, uh, 
you know, stay away from the All-Star game because he knew he didn't deserve to be on the court. I mean, he didn't really do much, you know, to impact the Celtics roster, you know, last year come to the All-Star game. But still, he actually gave enough votes to the point where he could have played. And that's actually pretty impressive to see, you know, so much fan support behind Taco Fall. Yeah, so I'm going to hop in on this now that I'm back here about Taco. You know, I love Taco. I'm a diehard Celtics fan. And I think, like, if this guy can, you know, build some, like, muscle on him, he could be, like, a competitive center. Just, like, you know, he's got the height advantage, obviously. And I feel like the Celtics could use him for, like, 10 minutes a game. Like, you know, if, like, Tice or Tristan Thompson are injured or whatever or playing a lot of minutes, Robert Williams didn't have a good game, throw him in there, especially if there's a smaller center. Like, if they're playing, say, like, the Rockets. I mean, now they got Boogie Cousins, but, like, before, like, P.J. Tucker on Taco, I think Taco's got the advantage there. So, I think, like, they could definitely use Taco as, like, a, a matchup-based type guy. I mean, he has height advantage over everybody, but it's a little different, like, if you were to play, like, Joel Embiid. You know what I mean? I think it just depends on who his opponent is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and definitely- up, uh, I was just going to touch upon what Jack said. I like, really like that point. Like, I don't think you could put him in a situation, you know, against a strong center like Embiid or another – Big man like that. But if you're playing a team where, like, they really just don't have a solid center, like, Taco, I feel, would be, like, a very great mismatch just to get him out there on the court. I'd agree with Jack on that. Mm -hmm. I was just about to say, I agree with you guys as well. I definitely think that Brad Stevens is going to use him as a situational type of guy. I mean, you know, he's not going to be able to compete with, like, the best of the best as far as, you know, skill-wise, like you said, Jack Joel Embiid. But he's definitely going to be able to go in there and, you know, compete physically and be able to get those assists and rebounds that – no other center can, especially with his size. Yeah, and like nothing against like the like Detroit Pistons or something, but like if you're playing like a lower level team, like I feel like give like a guy like Daniel Tyson some rest and put Taco in. Like mm-hmm. if you're playing like the Pistons or like the Knicks or like the Magic, someone like a worse team, you know, like throw him in there. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's now talk about this guy from the Los Angeles Lakers who has just completely jumped out of nowhere into the conversation in Los Angeles, and that's Talon Horton Tucker. Apparently, LeBron James was recruiting this kid right out of high school. He was a senior in high school, and LeBron first had discussions with him. And now all of a sudden, he is going out of his mind in the, on the Lakers, essentially. Very confusing, but at the same time, it, I'm thoroughly impressed with what Horton Tucker has done. I mean... I don't know what you guys think. I mean, this is a very interesting situation right now. Well, I, I mean, not really going to do much. Like they had him all last year. Didn't didn't really see the court. You know, you see guys like a lot of times like pop off in the preseason and like you don't really see anything about them in the regular season, especially like how good the Lakers are. I don't really think he's going to be getting minutes with the Lakers, but I feel like it's a good like audition for him to maybe get like on another roster at some point in, in the future of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just going off of Jackson, I have to agree with that completely. They, honestly, before the season, I'd never even heard of the guy. Yeah. And yeah, he's playing really good in preseason. I'll give him that. You know, he's definitely got some great potential. But like, like Jack said, with all the guys you have on this Lakers team, like I just don't see him like playing much on the regular season, get, getting time on the court with his squad. Yeah, I decided to do some research on this guy because, like you guys, I haven't heard of this guy before the preseason. But yeah, like what you were saying, Brad. I guess LeBron <laughs> talked to uh, Rich Paul. And they saw this kid come out of Simeon High School, and I guess, you know, LeBron liked this kid. Then he goes on to Iowa State, averages around 12 points and two assists. But, yeah, with all the assets the Lakers have, I can't see, you know, Talon Horton Tucker making an impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe it was uh, Jack that was saying this is actually just 
at this point in his career. I think it's just auditions right now. Yeah. Um, and basically just proving himself that he can, you know, produce in an NBA game and, you know, get as many minutes as many minutes as he can, excuse me. But, you know, at this point, maybe he can, you know, make a good audition and maybe find himself in a different roster, maybe on a low-end team like Detroit, like you mentioned earlier, or just another team like Charlotte, maybe, too, who just lost Gordon Hayward. I think it would be, like, a smart move for a team like the Knicks, someone like that caliber team, to, like, try to pick this kid up. Mm-hmm. We have Brett. Yeah, fresh Both young player. Agreed. That's actually a very good point. I think the Knicks could actually use some fresh young talent, considering they have nobody right now. Brett, what did you say about Gordon Hayward? They lost him? So, Gordon Hayward is now out with a fracture in his fifth finger. I believe it is his pinky. So, Gordon Hayward is now out once again. I didn't he know just, that. Did that come out like to today? Amaze me. I mean, oh, he can't catch up. his pinky, really? Come on. I feel like at this point, it's like fair to say that he's the most injury player, injury prone player in the league. He's cursed. Yeah. Yep. So now they're without Gordon Hayward to start the season as of right now. Wow. And LaMelo Ball pretty much has no one to start on the Hornets except maybe P.J. Washington and a couple other guys. Devontae Graham. Devontae Graham as well. Yeah, you're right. They have bridges. Like, they have, like, decent players. They just, like, are really bad. Like, they got Graham, Washington, Bridges, Rogier, And I guess that's kind of it. But mm-hmm. Malik Monk's all right. Yeah, there's definitely not a lot of star town in yeah. Charlotte, just a lot of compliment guys. Yeah, right. They, yeah. I think the best they're hoping for right now with Charlotte is just have LaMelo Ball be that star. That way they have someone to build around, mm-hmm. and that way those compliment guys can fill in the roles that they're actually meant to be doing instead of, you know, trying to carry a team, instead of, you know, trying to do something that they shouldn't be doing. So. I don't know. They, did, they tried that with Kemba, and that did not work out. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah. They had, nope. like, one good season. Yep. I think Michael Jordan is just a horrible GM. Not the best. No. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Much better player than he is in front office guy. Yeah, you think? yeah absolutely. I think I think I read as of right now, Gordon Hayward, who is now out, by the way, like we just mentioned, is going to be getting paid $39.5 million this upcoming season. Not only does he get the $38 million that Charlotte is paying him this season, he also gets the extra nine and a half. In dead cap that Charlotte has taken on from Hayward from Boston, so mm-hmm. he's going to be getting paid almost forty million dollars yeah. next season, which is ridiculous for a guy right him like him right now. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next team, and that is the Brooklyn Nets. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant made their debut in the preseason together. Both were injured for the majority of last season, and from what we've seen this far, they look pretty good together. A lot of rumors that it wasn't going to be as good as people turned out. But Steve Nash actually looks like he's getting it under control. And Kyrie and Kevin Durant are actually working pretty well this far. Yeah. Well, I'm just going off what you just said, Brett. Like last season, you said Kyrie and Kevin Durant were both injured for the majority of the year. And the Nets still made the playoffs. And with Kyrie and Kevin Durant playing as good as they are this preseason, I think the Nets are going to be a scary team coming out the East this year. They are. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, they definitely are. Oh, sorry. Gotcha. No, you, I, that's all I was saying. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I think the key factor for the Nets this year is, you know, obviously just handle Kyrie. You know, just, like, his attitude's just got to stay straight on, just be upward with it. Um, I think this Nets team can lead the Eastern Conference and be number one. They just have so many assets on that team, too, with Levert, um, Jared Allen. I mean, the list can go on with Dinwiddie. I mean, this is a really good team. Mm-hmm. DeAndre Jordan. DeAndre Jordan, yeah. 
Definitely, yeah. They definitely have a lot of good guys that can come in and play a lot of those role-playing situations to go along with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. And there's still rumors that Harden could be dealt, too. I mean, you never know with the NBA is this day and age. So this team actually looks very scary right now. I thought it wasn't going to be as good as it was coming into the season, but from what they're showing right now, it could be very deadly. Yes, I agree, Brad. Mm. Very deadly. All right. So our last point is with the Los Angeles Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. Not the best preseason this far from this team. I mean, this is the side of Los Angeles you don't want to be rooting for right now. You want to be going towards the Lakers. Kawhi and Paul George have not been showing any sort of progress whatsoever in the preseason this far. And I don't know what's going on right now as far as it's either chemistry or Something's going on in that locker room that's definitely not clicking in. I'm very curious to see what the deal is with the Clippers. Yeah, I don't really get what it is. Like, I feel like they're like such like a good group of guys. Like, and they got really good players. They got Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Williams, Patrick Beverly. The list goes on. It's just like I think it's a chemistry thing, and I think it's also a coaching thing. Um, like who's? I honestly forget who's the new head coach of the Clippers now. Is it Tyler? Tyron? Yeah. I believe it is Tyron Lue, yeah. yeah. He, you know, yeah, yeah, it's a tough situation there. Like, especially now with Montreal's Harrell leaving to go to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not a good time to be a Clippers fan. I don't know if there are any Clippers fans out there, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just been, like, a lot of moves. Oh, not a lot, just a couple moves to the Clippers that – takes a tank on him for the chemistry, like replacing Doc Rivers with Tyron Lue. Like, Tyron Lue's not a bad coach, but I think Doc Rivers is just, like, a better coach. Yeah, I think um, it's not Rivers' fault. Yeah. Um, you replace Harrell with Serge Ibaka. I mean, Ibaka's pretty old now. I mean, I think he's in his 30s. And yeah. then Paul George is carrying his, like, NBA bubble woes into this season. So, yeah, they just don't look like the threat that they were last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, a lot of people are actually considering Tyron Lue right now as a poor man's Doc Rivers. And uh, Doc Rivers right now looks like he's doing pretty well in Philadelphia. He's got Joel Embiid right now and Danny Green and Ben Simmons and all of the other guys down there. So it definitely looks like on the upside for Doc Rivers and for Tyron Lue, it looks like he's got his work cut out for him in the locker room. All right, so let's move on to our second point here. And that is the NFL playoff preview and what are we uh, what we are expecting this far in the NFL as we approach some of the final weeks of the season. First off, let's talk about this Browns Ravens game that happened last week and all of the implications that it had. Very 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 close game. I was shocked that this game was so back and forth. 45-42 final. Baltimore Ravens came out on top. So many different things going on from Poopgate to you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt having career days. I, I don't know what to say here. Great win by the Ravens, but it's a tough loss for the Browns. They were hoping to win the division, but at this point with the Steelers win this weekend, it pretty much looks like Pittsburgh is going to lock up this division. Yeah. And like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Oh, no, it was me. But um, two things I'd like to touch up on this game. One, Lamar, you didn't have cramps, buddy. All right, you had you had the poops, bud. You had some Taco Bell before the game. There's a difference between when you have calf cramps and you got to take a crap. You know, cramps, you you know, you're just like limping. This dude was waddling, but yeah, the anyway. way he was running to the locker room. Yeah, 
And then the Browns, you know, guys, these these guys aren't the laughing stock of the NFL anymore. Um, I think I think they could be a threat to the Chiefs or whoever they face in the playoffs. They actually look like a pretty good team this year. Yeah, honestly, mm-hmm. I think they're the Chiefs' biggest threat in the AFC. Yeah, exactly. I'd have to agree with that. What I was going to say is that, like, this game, even though the Browns lost, I think this was the game where they really proved that, like, they deserve way more respect than they get around the league. And I think Baker Mayfield especially, like, these last few games, like, I know he gets memed a lot, but, like, I think he's really proved himself as, like, the solid franchise quarterback for the Browns going forward. I very much agree with you, Will, on that point. I think Baker Mayfield doesn't get the respect he deserves right now. And I think a lot of that, you know, memory that you see going around, you know, social media from last year and now this year, too, is because of the scheme that Kitchens was running. The play calling that Freddie Kitchens had last year with Baker Mayfield was horrendous. Like, when I say horrendous, bottom of the chain, like, terrible. So now you're seeing Kevin Stefanski come in, and Baker's now thriving in what he has. A heavy run game, you're running a lot of play actions with your running backs, and great system for Baker Mayfield to go in, and he's getting the respect he deserves now. I totally think, like you said, Will, that Baker is now the franchise quarterback of this Browns franchise, and Kevin Stefanski's now proven that he can take this quarterback make a system that works for him, and run with it. And I'm thoroughly impressed with what the Browns have done this season, and it looks like they're going to break a over-20-year playoff drought, which is very impressive. Yeah, here's my, my like kind of question. Are the Browns a better team without Odell? I think that I think Baker's a better player without Odell because I feel like when Odell was on the, the field, Baker was throwing a lot more picks, you know, for, trying to force it to Odell a lot more. And, you know, he's got guy like the top cornerbacks on Odell. Now I feel like he's not as pressured to get it to one guy. He's got Peoples Jones, Higgins, Landry. You got Austin Hooper and the other tight end. I'm not sure of his name, David Njoku. Like Njoku, yep. Yeah, Njoku. So I feel like he's got like a good amount of options, but he's not forced to get it to a star player, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you, Jack, on that. I think that. A lot of times you see Odell as a big name and a guy that can make big plays, you know, at any given point when healthy. That's the big thing, when healthy. So I think that Baker was trying to force it to him too much, like you said. And as a result, it pretty much took down Baker's QBR and, you know, interception rate went up and touchdown rates were going down. So without Odell, and I, I actually think it boosts up the chemistry of this wide receiver core. You now see a veteran and Jarvis Landry taking the reins and, Young guys, like you said, like Rashad Higgins, who I'm a huge fan of, and Peoples-Jones getting a lot of looks. And now it even opens up the door for Austin Hooper, who, with OBJ, did nothing. They brought in this guy for all of this money. He did nothing. So now you see OBJ gone, and all of a sudden Austin Hooper's a red zone threat. So I think the loss of OBJ actually benefited the Browns a lot more for chemistry. It also opened up like the, the backfield getting receiving, like getting catches. Like Kareem mm-hmm. Hunt is way more involved. And now with Nick Chubb, obviously he can run the ball the way he does, but he's also getting some more receptions in there. So mm-hmm. I think it just opens the offense up to like a lim- limitless amount of like opportunity that they can that they can show. Yep. All right, so let's now talk about the New England Patriots, who are currently six and seven this season. Not looking good for the Patriots right now, as far as playoff hopes. They took a brutal loss against the Rams last week on. Uh, Thursday night football and to me this season is just proving more and more and more that Cam Newton's not the guy at all 
I know that everyone went into this season thinking Cam Newton was going to come in and run the show after week one in that big win against the Dolphins, but he's just shown that, you know, throughout the season, without his talent, he can't really compete. He can't find a way to win. Edelman's now gone. Half your offensive line is gone. Half of your defense is gone. So now you're forced to find some way to win with the talent that you have, like Tom Brady did when he was here for 20, 20 seasons or uh, around there. So mm-hmm. Cam Newton has not found a way to win, and I don't think he's the answer. And as a result, I think the Patriots are going to go after a quarterback in the first round of this draft. What do you guys yeah, think? I'm, like, so, like, on the fence about it. Like, I feel like, like Cam, like, yeah, he stinks. Like, get him out of there. But at the same time, I'm like, He's got a horrible offensive, not a horrible offensive line. He got he's got holes in the offensive line, and the 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 guy his targets aren't great. Like his best target is Jacoby Myers. Nothing against Myers, I love Myers, but he's just not like a number one receiver in the NFL, like a on a team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nikhil yeah. Harry is just not performing the way he has been expected to. Edelman's out, and Edelman when even when he comes back, I don't see it making a big splash. Bird is Demir Bird is he's decent, but I just think that if the Patriots want Cam Newton, they need to like really just focus on his targets. Like if they see potential in him, that's what they got to go after. But I just I don't I think they should do both. I think they should draft a quarterback or just go with Stidham and also develop targets around him because Newton's what like thirty one years old. He's only got three or four seasons left, and I don't know how well he's going to be in those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like as a Pats fan, it's just so hard to see like Newton losing like this and that because like he goes in the practices and he works his butt off. Um, he never blames other people. He always blames himself for the team losing. It just sucks to see him like losing and like the offense that's provided for him. It just sucks to see that. Mm-hmm. Like going off what you guys said, I feel like if Cam Newton's gonna be successful in New England, like I do agree, they got to bring in like some star guys around him. Going to prop him up, but I also feel like in order for this New England team to be successful going forward, Bill Belichick needs to give up the reins as like the general manager because like he's just not a good GM. He's not good at drafting. He's not good at bringing dudes in the door. I feel like they just gotta let someone else do that at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and before we go off the topic of the Pats, I just like to say like this off season is just gonna be so important for the Pats. Like we just gotta go after these big name free agents. Like, a couple highlights I like would like to point out is, like, our tight end. I mean, get a guy like Hunter Henry. Um, you know, Ryan Izzo wasn't cutting it, and Devin Asiasi hasn't even been playing. Um, maybe a pass yeah. rusher like Yannick Ngakwe. Um, and then even, like, like obviously wide receiver. Like, you look at a guy like Allen Robinson, he's, like, I'd like him to be in New England. Yeah, or mm-hmm. Odell. Even Odell. I mean, yeah, but – when would he be like be available like next December? Because yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So my only like, problem with this this thing is, yes, the Patriots need to go after big name guys, but their biggest issue is cap. Like they don't have a lot of cap room, and that's the problem. I mean, you go into this off season, you signed so many of these mediocre and middle class guys to large deals, and all of a sudden now you see you don't have any room to bring in like. A franchise player you yeah. have to make a sacrifice one way or another and in my my thought is edelman's gone i definitely think julian edelman is gone this offseason i think him being on injury reserve for this year and you know anticipated being a very crucial part in his offense and just disappointed everyone 
I think he's out the door. I don't think he's the answer that this offense needs, especially if they want to keep Cam Newton. You know, not the best answer. So they're going to have to make a sacrifice sacrifice for the cap. And if that means either letting a bunch of players go or let a or like a big star like Edelman let him go, I don't know what it is, but if they want someone, they have to make a sacrifice. Yeah, hey, just going off what you said, Brett, about Edelman, I'd agree with you completely. Like, I see this going two way with Edelman's the Patriots. They either one let him go or have to come to terms that he's not the number one guy. He cannot be the number one receiver on this team anymore. And they either like renegotiate his deal or give him like a smaller deal and keep him in more as like a leadership role at this point than like the star guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So now let's move on to the NFC North with the Green Bay Packers. The Packers have now clinched a playoff spot in the NFC North with their win last week. And very impressive season once again by Aaron Rodgers, a future Hall of Fame quarterback under Matt LaFleur, the young offensive-minded coach. And continuously, the Packers are impressing, even with the change in coaching staff. They never missed a beat. you know. And Aaron Rodgers is proving more and more that, you know, with the talent that he has on offense, too, he finds a way to win and always manages to keep the game, you know, close and makes it manageable for himself. So a very impressive showing for the Packers this season. And they have another legitimate shot of going all the way if they, you know, get their defense and secondary together and find a way to pull through on defense. Yeah, like you said, Brett, if they can get the defense going, um, if that can be a constant just like their offense, they could um, obviously make a deep run. And Aaron Rodgers, like Stephen A. Smith says, you know, he's a bad man. He's proven again. He's got another MVP season. Him and Patty Mahomes going after that MVP. But, yeah, um, Packers, you know, that defense is the number one concern um, for me. Yeah, I think the Packers, honestly, like, I think they got the best shot in the NFC. Like, the Saints now, I think it just depends, one, if Breeze. I think Breeze is expected to come back. But it depends on how well he can perform. Depends if Kamara can get back to the way he was. I think that's mainly because of Hill being at quarterback. Um, and the Seahawks have looked really bad recently. They just smacked the Jets, but is that really like impressive though? So yeah, it's the Jets, but, man. Um, it counts. And then there's not really any big, any other big threat in the NFC. You could say the Rams maybe or the Buccaneers, but I think the Packers definitely are going to be running the NFC this year, like from now on. Mm -hmm. So lastly in the NFL, let's talk, speaking of which, with Taysom Hill. The Saints lost last week to the young quarterback in Philadelphia, Jalen Hurts, not Carson Wentz, Jalen Hurts by a final score of 24-21. to Jalen Hurts looked very good in this game, led the Eagles offense that actually had a spark and some sort of hope in themselves this game as opposed to what Carson Wentz has done this past season. And based on what we're seeing in Philly, there's a chance we see a quarterback change in this offseason, de- depending on what you know direction Jalen Hurts goes in this last three games. Doug, Doug Peterson's coaching job is pretty much on the line here. If Jalen Hurts manages to turn around this offense and make something happen, he stays. But if not, Doug Peterson's gone. And, yeah, just going off of that, Brett, I would say Jaylen, Doug Peterson's job is in Jalen Hurts' hands right now. And I just like to bring up one crazy statistic. I saw that um, the last 55 games, the Saints have not allowed a single 100-yard rusher, but against the Eagles, they allowed two. And I just think Jalen Hurts was one of them, and then I forgot 
I thought the running back who did it, but yeah. Miles Sanders. Yeah, Miles, Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders both put up 100-plus yards against this Saints defense that hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in the last 55 games. So I just feel like this was, like, a great win for this Eagles team. Yeah. Um, If Doug Peterson, you know, doesn't go with Jalen Hurts in the future, get him out. Get Doug Peterson. Like, why would you go with Wentz in the future? I mean, you have Wentz in the beginning of the season. He's, you know, not getting the offense going, um, throwing a ton of interceptions. And then you put Hurts in, you'd be arguably the best team in the NFC. I just please keep Hurts in. Yeah, yeah, he will. Yeah. I thought that he's expected to, or he is going to start in Week 15. I mean, like, oh, I would absolutely start him. Yeah, yeah, I, I just know like, it's official. Mm-hmm. I feel like at this point, like depending on how Hurts does, like I think the Eagles might have to part ways with Carson Wentz too, like this off season or like the season after, because like. With that, like, I just feel like he hasn't, like, he's done good for this team, but, I mean, like, just recently, I feel like he's not been the guy. Like, I think he's taking up, at this point, I feel like he's taking up too much cap space for them. Yeah, and the biggest issue with Wentz, too, like you just mentioned, the cap space, if they want him gone, they have to find a trade partner. Yeah. And who's going to want to take on Wentz's contract if he's if he's performing at pretty much mediocre level right now? I mean, if the Bears are desperate, I could see, like, a team like the Bears doing it, but, like... I don't think they have any trade partners out there. I could see the Patriots maybe doing something like that, but I just don't think that would be much much better than Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. I would like to see, like, uh, going back to the Patriots just quickly, um, I would like to see a Jimmy Garoppolo reunion back in New England. There's a potential. The only mm-hmm. problem is, like we mentioned before, the Patriots do not have cap room at all. Yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo is under a contract over $100 million right now, which is absurd yeah. for the quarterback of his value right now. So I just don't think the Patriots are financial suitors for Garoppolo right now. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's always a tricky like piece of it is always the, the financial part. Mm-hmm. It's a part I always lose track of as a fan, you know. You know, it's tough, you know, this day and age, like you mentioned, there's so many good guys out there and there's so many guys you want on your team, but you just have to make sure, you know, the cap space is there because a lot of times you find yourself running into debt and at points, you're going to have to make sacrifices and that's where a team implodes. I mean, we've seen it time and time again. Uh, Jaguars imploded, had one of the best defenses in the league and all of a sudden you see guys leaving, imploded, gone. So just it's just tough to see. And just going back real quick to the – 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo with the Patriots situation. I feel that, like, the 49ers backup QB, Nick Mullins, would not be a bad fit on the Patriots. I feel like a guy like Belichick could do a lot with a guy like Nick Mullins. I like this. Keep talking, Will. I like this a lot. I like, if you check, like, even though they might not be winning when he plays, but, like, if you check his stat line, he puts up decent numbers. Like, he does not play bad. Like, if you've got a good, solid coach behind this kid – I feel like he could be, like, a very solid starting quarterback in the NFL. This is my bold take, too. I think Nick Mullins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, I at, think at this point, I would probably have I to agree. say the same, like, at this point. I agree. He's healthier. He Someone has a leadership role in his offense, and he is pretty much not even a quarter less than that of what you're paying Jimmy Garoppolo for almost the same sort of value. Yes, Jimmy Garoppolo has the connections with George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and all of this and all of that. But I feel like if you give Nick Mullins time to nurture those relationships, you're going to see progress. And whether or not they choose to cut him and keep Garoppolo or sign Nick Mullins and let Garoppolo go, I think Nick Mullins deserves a shot in this league, and I think he's proved it with San Francisco. 
for sure, yeah. All right, so let's move into our third point here before we get into trivia once again, and that is MLB and then Major League Baseball updates. First off, the Red Sox signed Hunter Renfro from the Tampa Bay Rays on a minimum deal, so Renfro is now going to be playing in the outfield for Boston. Not necessarily the best bat, batted under 200 this past season. I believe it was 156 he batted, but it definitely is a power bat in the lineup for Boston. But it's going to be curious to see what the Red Sox do at this point. Yes, you just signed Renfro, who could provide some power, but now you pretty much secured the idea that JBJ's gone. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Like, I think it's a good signing, but I think it kind of just indicates that uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. is not going to be returning, which is definitely a blow to, like, the the defense. But offense, it's all right. I think you get a better hitter in Hunter Renfro, but defense is definitely a decline. So now you're looking at as an outfield for Boston. You got Benintendi, Renfro, and Verdugo. I think that's a pretty a pretty good um, outfield. Yeah, I mean, I hope uh, Hunter Renfro does good this year. But, like, what you were saying earlier, Brett, last year he batted only, like, 156 and then eight homers and 22 RBIs. And then, like, what you were saying, Jack, it does look like the Red Sox are going to part ways with JBJ, which, like, it does suck on a defensive side. But, you know, yeah, on the bat side, it looks better because Renfro is that power hitter. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, looking forward. The outfield doesn't look too bad. But we'll see what this outcome is. They never got rid of Pilar. They never traded Pilar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on the note of the Red Sox, too, I'm actually kind of excited for this season, to be honest. Yes, we're getting rid of JBJ. It's very strong potential. But now with Alex Cora back, you have a very young star in the making, Alex Verdugo. I personally think he's going to be a stud, potential all-star next season. That's my hot take. Me too. Benintendi, if he comes back strong the way he did in 2018, that's a very big asset you get back. You get Devers. You've got Chavis, who still has that it factor if he can find it next season. All you really need is a consistent second baseman because obviously Peraza's gone. Now, you can't really do much about that. You have to find a second baseman to deal it, to do something. Um, and you need another pitcher. Yes, you have Rodriguez. Yes, you have Sale. Yes, you have Eovaldi. But all three of those guys are injury prone, and we've seen that this past season. None of them showed up at all, like, Red Sox were knocking on the door on their hands and knees, just begging, but they were all injured, done for the year. So if they can stay healthy, find another pitcher, find another second baseman, I think the Red Sox have a potential to compete with the Yankees in the division. Yeah. I think so. I hope so. Is it the case realistically? I don't know. Well, yeah, because then you also got the Blue Jays and the Rays, too. Mm-hmm. So it's a tough division. Um, and it's going tough. back to pitching, like, they definitely do, like, yeah, like you said, they got Sale, Valdi, and Erod Hurl, Andrew Pump, but Tanner Hawk, also, like, he was a rookie last year. Like, it could have been a fluke. Like, you don't know. I have a feeling it's not. I think this guy's would be really good, but you just got to, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be sure. Especially now with Martin Perez being gone, you got to get that fifth guy. Agreed. Yeah, and, like, what you were saying about, like, a second baseman, like, a priority for the Sox, I think we should go after a guy like DJ LeMayhew coming off of, like, an MVP season. I think we should go after him. I don't even know if the Yankees are going to re-sign him. I don't know if they have the cap room for that. But I really think the Red Sox should go after that kid. I think that's really – dude, I think that guy is the best hitter in baseball. Oh, for sure. Like, after last season, like, 
I don't know. I like Vegas, personally. Cost so much. I feel like that's like a really tough thing. I would like to see Colton Wong from like a more realistic. I mean, obviously, I'd love to see Lemayhew, but like realistically, I'd like to see Colton Wong, who's a free agent for or who was on the Cardinals now, a free agent. I would really like to see that. And the good thing about the Sox too now is they just let sale uh, bets go. Excuse me. So they pretty much freed themselves up almost five hundred million dollars in cap room, and. It just you know, I mean, yeah, they could afford space, Lemayhu. Yeah. They could afford Lemayhu. They could afford Wong. I mean, they have the spot. They have a big enough market where they could afford the luxury tax. So at this point, you actually could consider signing one of those big guys, and then maybe just you know a compliment pitcher to bring you know to bring into the system. But things are looking good in Boston right now. As of right now, the roster not the best on paper, but if you bring in a couple stars like Lemayhu or Wong or whoever it may be. Maybe you see ter- th- see things turn around. Yeah, I'd also like to see them go after a free agent pitcher from the Twins, Jake Odorizzi. I've heard like rumors that. they were in the uh, the mix for him and Corey Kluber. Mm-hmm. Yep, Kluber too. All right, so let's talk about this uh, situation with Jackie Bradley, as we brought up earlier as well. Uh, there are some teams now in the mix form reported, and some rumors as well. The three teams in the mix form right now have some pretty good interest are the Phillies, Cubs and Blue Jays all in need of some outfield help to go along with their guys. Bryce Harper, you know, he's the man in Philly right now, but he needs someone to help him out in the outfield. And JBJ could potentially be a very good help defensively. And the Cubs and Blue Jays as well, just looking for more talent to complement their off uh, defenses, excuse me. And JBJ could be a help in any of those teams. But if I were to pick one where he'd probably be the biggest help, probably the Phillies. Really? I was going to say the uh, the Blue Jays. I think he would fit in really good in Toronto. You know, I could see that too. Um, you have a lot, a, lot, a lot of young guys. Excuse me again. Bo Bichette, I mean, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I mean, a lot of young guys coming up and proving themselves that they can be stars in this game with Toronto. And Jackie Bradley could slot into the outfield and provide some help. And it's a good defensive acquisition if they can get him. But if he slides into Philly and actually – has a bat like he did back in 2018 in the postseason with Bryce Harper, with all the talent that they have on offense that they can't produce with, it's possible he does something. It's possible. Does he succeed in the NL? I don't know. But, once again, it's all up to what he decides to choose. All right, so let's move into the last update. Probably the biggest update we're going to talk about here is the Cleveland Indians have decided to change their name after conducting a thorough internal investigation. So they will be removing the Indian name from their franchise, and they're considering other names for this upcoming season, like the Washington football team. They'll now be called the Cleveland baseball team. Uh, It's what they're considering right now, which actually is pretty good marketing scheme. If you ask me, the football teams are doing pretty good with marketing this far and marketing that football team name. So, wouldn't be shocked if they go down that road or if they manage to find a name before the season. So it's going to be interesting to see what Cleveland decides here. Yeah, I have a feeling they're probably going to have a name because they're playing this upcoming season as the Indians, and they're changing it after the 21, 20, the 2021 season. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling they'll you know, have a name ready by the end of the season. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Jack on that. I feel like even though the baseball team might – like the baseball team might be good for marketing, I feel like they'll have a different name than that. And I'm – Hopefully they don't find they don't hopefully they don't find themselves in a situation like Washington did where some dude patented all their choices for a name. Mm-hmm. 
be able to pick one. So, yeah, hopefully they don't find themselves in a situation like that. Yeah, this whole, like, situation is just weird. Like, you have to think, like, what's next? Like, you know, the NHL uh, team, the Chicago Blackhawks, are they next? I saw the Canucks are have to change their name. Yeah. Just, like, I don't think we should get into it, but, yeah. <laughs> Probably not a good platform to Yeah. All right, so with MLB now wrapped up, let's move into our final segment here on Monday Madness with the boys. And that is, once again, our trivia segment. This week we are going on to Sporkle.com, and we are doing the Big Four U.S. Sports Teams quiz. For those of you who are not familiar, basically they have empty slots for all four big U.S. sports leagues in the United States. And essentially we have four minutes to type in as many teams as we can before the time runs out. And the person in the within the four of us who names the least amount of teams has to take a shot of soy sauce next game or next episode, I should say. So without further ado, let's get it right into it. Who wants to go first? Oh, are we going one at a time? If we if you guys want to go all together, I'm more than willing to go together and show our screens. I I think so, yeah. So let's do that then. I'll get a timer going too. All right, so whenever we're ready, we'll get going. All right, tell me when, and I'll hit the timer. All right, ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go. These pop-up ads. Yeah, my... Pop filter. You know, you go into this thinking it'd be easy, and then you know you just get you freeze you freeze up. Right. <laughs> you don't know which direction to go. You have so many teams to name. How you guys doing? You hanging in there? Oh, we're hanging doing, in there. Yeah, doing pretty good. <laughs> Not too bad. All right, we got about two minutes left. <clears throat> well, I thought this was going to be so easy, but then I just like... There's so many teams to name, you just don't know which way to go. Exactly. Um... Jesus. 
Alright, we got about 35 seconds left. Yep, that's what I got. It's time, boys. All right. All right, what do we got? I got 70 out of 123. All right. Damn. I got 55 out of 123. All right, so Jack is not safe once again. Will? Will, you there? You're muted, Will. Yeah, you're muted. Bro, I can also I can literally name every single team. I just like I freeze up. I'm like I don't know. What to the Jack to might be safe here, guys. I only got 43 off to a oh, slow. Oh no! Here, yeah, Jack might be safe. Like... All right, so here's the here's the moment of truth. I got 83. Damn, bro. Yeah, dang. All yeah. right, so Will, hey, you're taking the... you're taking the I'm hit taking once again. Soy sauce next episode. Next episode, shot of soy sauce. Pick your poison. There's lots of soy sauces at the supermarket. So. Question. Question. If I cannot find soy sauce, is hot sauce a yes. substitute? Yes. That French red hot, hot, yeah. French red hot, right. If I cannot get soy sauce, hot sauce is an ex- hot sauce is an acceptable substitute. Acceptable. All right. All right. All right. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of Monday Madness with the Boys. Huge thank you to all of our producers at WGAO Power 88.3 for helping put all of this together. And a huge thank you to Dano Songs for helping provide all the music for our episodes. Once again, Jack Clifford, Jeff Bladen, and Will Manley. My name is Brett Shobbs. Enjoy the rest of your holidays. Happy New Year. And we will catch you in the next episode.